today's episode is unfortunately unfortunately about everyone's favorite dad rock band me too you too you too you too me too oh if you hate you too us too how many fucking different versions of this joke do you think that we could make? We could probably do an entire episode of how stupid a name U2 is. I, I legitimately don't know the story of how they came up with the name. I saw a couple of the band names that they had beforehand. The first band name that they were going to use was Feedback. Feedback. Because it was the only musical term they knew. <laughs> it, that makes complete sense if you think of their music. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you think of uh, so much of the quote-unquote guitar playing that the mm-hmm. Edge yeah. Okay. I'm. I have to make a confession right now. I am over caffeinated. You're over caffeinated. I have drank a lot You're of. Co- I've had a lot of coffee today. You're high. Yeah. And the second thing is, I know that I am going to become angry while we are talking about this. Okay. And when my anger peaks, it will be when we talk about what the Edge does while he is holding a guitar. If I call that guitar playing at any point in this episode, it is by mistake. Right. That's fair. So you're on the Edge. See, we could. This is how bad you two is. We could actually do an entire episode where we just made puns about your stupid ass name. Bono. Is it Bono or Bono? I think it's Bono. Because not just is their music bad, but everything about the band from beginning to end is bad. I think that U2 is possibly the single most overrated band of all time. Yes. Huge, huge, absolutely massive charge. I don't even know, $5,000 or something stupid, I'm sure, for their tickets. I don't know. I mean, well, realistically, I believe their last tour, people that I knew were going to see them were paying $300 per ticket. And they weren't like front row seats. These are normal seats. Yeah. And that's worth talking about because this fucking asshole puts himself out there yeah. like some Bruce Springsteen working class hero yes. guy. And I know that you've got a lot to talk about that. Let's yeah. just, I mean, okay, well, right let's, away. Yeah, let's start there. Let's start right from, from day one. The band puts out their first record in 1980, the record Boy. Yeah, which apparently a lot of people in America thought was about pedophilia. And I am not making that up because the record is called Boy. And then on the cover of it, which they actually changed the cover for the American edition Mm -hmm. because they knew this was going to happen. The cover of the original album is a shirtless boy. Right. I don't know what the cover in America What's was. It's crazy though. And it's so it's such a sexual album. Right. But most of the songs are about sex. Yeah. But their newest record has a shirtless boy on it. I, I, I don't know. I, yeah. I mean, I don't want to go I'll too show far you. down gonna, this road. We're gonna show you. We're gonna show you after. Not not insinuating anything uh, nefarious here besides their garbage music. But yeah, so 1980 boy comes out. First track on the record sounds like a Bruce Springsteen ripoff, which makes sense if they're going after the. Blue blue collar thing trying to pretend like you have some political message or something we should point out like bruce springsteen had already been doing his thing he was doing it for years for a long, long time. time yes a very long time yes the first song on the record sounds like a shittier version of shitty bruce springsteen song They're, all their songs are so bad probably half of the u2 songs that people think are good are so unoriginal in the title mm-hmm and so bad that I could tell you other songs that are named exactly the same thing by other artists that are better. That's insane. Uh, Sunday Bloody Sunday. Mm -hmm. John Lennon has a song called Sunday Bloody Sunday that works so much better as a political anthem. Obviously, that was written long before this song would have been released by U2. Well, that's another thing I was going to talk about later is this band seems like they just make whatever music they were going to make and then after the fact, when people ask what it's about, Mm -hmm. they make up some bullshit shit it's about this struggle in this third world country right bono it seems in particular maybe they all do i don't know but bono it seems has a real thing where he wants to feel important 
he's just obsessed with being important that their music is important more than just entertainment. It's like oh. a real, real obsession with it, it seems. So yeah, the first band name that they were using was Feedback, and then the second one was The Hype. The Hype. Mm-hmm. See, I mean, if that doesn't tell you what their mindsets are, even though they didn't use those bands, those band names. Well, I think they played under those names for a little bit, maybe. In the yeah. 70s? They got together uh, high, school, high school kids? 76 is well, what I read. The drummer's the only one who knew how to play an instrument right. when they started the band. So is it fair to say then the Edge, the Edge, did not know? It's the Edge, by the way, not Edge. <sighs> The Edge. Is it fair to say that he didn't know how to play guitar then in 1976 <laughs> or 77 or 78 or 1998 or 2008 or now. today? Yeah, I think it's fair to say that he does not know how to play guitar. Yeah. The drummer knew how to play and they got together for practices and pretty much immediately discovered that they were not good enough to play any of the cover songs that they had intended to learn by any of the bands that they liked, including like the Talking Heads. Right. I mean, the Talking Heads are a great band, but if anyone right. listening to this owns an instrument and can't play a Talking Heads song yeah. on it, fucking take yeah, your instrument to the Goodwill store and leave it there for someone who can't afford a full price one and might have some talent. Yeah, might actually have some. If you can can't play a cover song. I mean, yeah, I mean, at least they're not playing like Beethoven. Here's something that I think that they might actually agree with me on mm-hmm. when they hear this podcast, because I know that they will. Yeah. I'm so happy. Hi, Bono. Bono, Bono. Yeah, I don't like you, sir. They don't make songs. They create moods. They create like a three minute mood or like a four minute mood. And they just set up this audio space for you to live in. I agree. That does make sense. Complete sense. I've never heard that before, but it makes complete sense. If you listen to their music, that is true. And honestly, it makes sense even for their live show. In my opinion, when a band has to, you know, do as much live show production as they have. Like Zoo TV. Yeah, because they're make, they're making up for the, we don't want you to pay attention to how bad we are at being musicians. So here's a video screen that's like three miles long and we're going to show crazy shit on it so you don't, you ignore the boring bullshit that's happening on stage. Because they're so boring. The songs are boring. They're moody. Sure. They're legitimately boring. I agree. You know that going on the road, we have these boring ass songs. The Edge can't play guitar. We got to have a little, you know, 500 pedals for them. You two paved the way for a lot of shit. One of them being EDM's obsession with production, obsession with screens and lights and shit, because it's so fucking bad. They're like, well, we have to make it a full experience because us just standing on stage isn't an experience. I fully agree. I That's even in my notes. There are EDM DJs who are doing more functionally mm-hmm. and actually than in real edge. time on stage than the edge right. has ever done. Yeah. The, certainly the, the whole band altogether, but for sure the edge. I watched a video in preparation for this just to refresh my memory. I'm convinced that he's not actually playing guitar. He's strumming a guitar that's not plugged in and he's literally just hitting play. You know, like you see like bad EDM artists, the bad ones, like they walk up to a DJ table and they hit play and they act like they're doing shit and they just jump around like morons and whatever. I would not be shocked if that was what exactly what the edge does. What he would have to do to play these songs on stage is so minuscule that I would be shocked to find out that he's not actually doing it. Right. It would blow my mind if it was playing along to tracks or anything like that. Well, you've seen it, it might get loud, right? Yeah, I, I mean, of, I want to talk about that in detail. Yeah, right. I like to try to find something good that every band has done. I would say if U2 has one redeeming quality, it is the bass line in the song New Year's Day. Okay. That's the only good thing that they've ever That's done. That's really digging. It's a, I, such a specific thing. I mean, like, like, I really enjoy the snare, the snare sounds. If we're not the, finding something positive Or the streets have no name. 
Yeah, I like the that. snare. The kick is really, it's a nice kick. That second Tom. It's a good mix. They got a good fucking, that second Tom. Man, not the, this really adds a lot to not it. Not the first one or the fourth one. Ignore Tom. the ride. Yeah. Ignore the ride on that. But the, the rest of it's good. But out Joshua Tree, which is arguably just a seriously pretentious record in my opinion. Yes, but if you like it, that doesn't mean you like you too. Right. It, that is a Brian Eno and Daniel Lanois album. And Daniel Lanois is a name that I've been familiar with for a long time, but I've never actually heard someone say it out loud. So mm -hmm. if I pronounce it incorrectly for the rest of this episode, that's just some shit that's going to happen. Sure. That's fair. We should talk about this for all a lot of the bands that we talk about. How much producers and other people have huge impacts on the bands. And especially the bands that we're going to be talking about. Yes, because oftentimes they can't write their own songs or couldn't, couldn't do it legitimately could not do it on their own exactly they need somebody else if not a team of people yes to considerably increase the the quality of the music and you two is a great example all the way back in the 80s that was doing that absolutely sometimes you will look in the i don't know if anyone does this anymore i don't know if, if liner notes are still a thing like digital liner notes but you used to look in the liner notes to the music that you owned and it always shows the songwriter credits and often you will see the producer listed as a songwriter on a song. I would say as a general rule of thumb, the ratio of good bands that have that is way lower than bad bands. Sure. If you're a bad band, you show up in the studio with a collection of horse shit clips that you have. F oh, f uh, apparently Bono carries around a fucking briefcase with scraps of lyrics. Right. That he then turns into. So, yeah, that's this kind of dickhead. He shows up at a studio. The Edge is like, uh, I don't know. The other day I had these seven effects pedals on and I <laughs> knocked my guitar over and it sounded like this. The producer is like, cool. Here's how all of that shit's going to get turned into this song. Right. Yeah. He basically they hand him pieces of the puzzle, mm -hmm. which on their own don't even put together anything. The producer comes along and says, OK, this is good. This is garbage. So we have a guitar player, They his guitar falls on the ground with 25 different effects pedals on it, strums a chord. That does not make a song. A songwriter that can't put together a song, he just writes random words on paper and grabs them out of a pile. And they're all put together by some genius, arguably genius producers. There is no question that Brian Eno is a genius. Right. I so mean, that's not so up for debate. Maybe we should just next say that they didn't do Joshua Tree. Their name is on it, but I think arguably, maybe they maybe we don't give you two credit for it whatsoever. I don't. I mean, I don't give them credit for anything. I mean, it, he, the briefcase, man. Yeah. The briefcase full of lyrics. Yeah. It, okay, like I get writing down scraps of lyrics. That's a thing sure. that you do Absolutely. when you're writing a song. Yes. A fucking briefcase. Yeah. And, and then also consider how this dickhead looks when he's walking around, mm -hmm. like uh, probably owns at least three different varieties of Aquanet at any given mm -hmm. moment. His hair is just poofed up like yep. a fucking muskrat on top of his head. he always has those stupid sunglasses on. And he's wearing probably like a duster, yeah. like a sweeping duster jacket and a fucking briefcase. Dude, you look like you're in the Matrix. Why do you have a briefcase? Yeah, that's, that's true. It's a very that's a valid question. I don't know. It's fair to say that at this point, the band truly goes off a cliff of, of horribleness. Well, we should step back for a minute. I don't think that we've really laid down why 
they were a bad band going into the period where everyone thinks that they became a great band. And, you know, you can argue what album people thought that happened on. Sure. And I would not care to participate in that. Not, <laughs> I don't agree with the premise that they became a good band. So right. there's no reason to have that just bad. So, yeah, there's no there's no be- point at which it became bad if it is just bad. And, and we don't have time to talk about every album anyways. But if you're listening and you're near a device that connects to the Internet, look up the cover for the album, The Unforgettable Fire. It looks like some new age bullshit that like a hippie would put on right before doing Mm-hmm. You know, an energy movement session on you or so some garbage. The cover is just, it's a picture of a castle. I presume it's in Ireland, as I believe they are an Irish band. The album's called The Unforgettable Fire. The title track is called The Unforgettable Fire, because that's what title track means. Mm-hmm. Guess what that song's about? What? The atomic bombing of Hiroshima. Right. Why is the album cover a castle, and I'm thinking bagpipes right. and shit, Yeah. but then the title track is about because this World all War comes II. back to what we already touched on a little bit is Bono's obsession with feeling important. I think it's sort of the opposite of being guilty by association. Mm-hmm. It's being important by association. Find an important thing and tangentially connect yourself or your work to it. And then people will think that you are there for This band has a song called God Part Two. God Part Two. This band does not have a song. God Part One. God Part One. It's meant to be a sequel to the John Lennon song, oh, God. Gotcha. I mean, boys Good and girls, it does, it does not get <laughs> no. any more pretentious than that. No, it doesn't. That's pretty insane. I didn't know that. That's actually completely insane. But it makes sense. It makes sense within the confines of what we know of Mono or the band in general, but that's pretty crazy. Okay, here's the real issue. Just like so many terrible bands we'll have to talk about, people like to say things like, even if you don't like their music, you have to admit they were influenced influential or they invented this and that's not true even if you're talking about the texture or the atmosphere that they create which is something that people like to talk about a lot like there's like a, a sound to you too and that's that is just their producers it's brian eno daniel lanois again i think i'm saying that right anyone listening to this who has not heard the first roxy music albums needs to go listen to that shit fix your life it's good when you two approached Brian Eno and played music that they had already made to ask him if he wanted to be their producer, he said his eyes glazed over with boredom. Listen. That's what he said? So this is a guy, if you don't know, he's been helping David Bowie and Iggy Pop make the best albums of their career. Mm-hmm. And now he's listening to this bullshit. Eno agrees to produce them under the condition that Daniel Lanois co-produces the album with him at the time. Daniel is only Brian's engineer. If you don't know, an engineer is the person in the studio who actually does the mechanical things, like right. sets up, the labor. runs the cables, you know, tape. actually turns knobs and shit. Been tape. Yeah. The producer is the guy who tells the engineer what to do. Or, or girl. The producer could be the girl sure. who tells the other girl what to do. Sure. What this means, if you're reading between the lines, to me, and I love reading between the lines, is Brian Eno's like, these people want to throw a shitload of money at me to do this, and I don't want to do it, so I'm going to have my engineer do it, mostly. Right. Sure. Give him credit. By the third album that Brian Eno is producing for U2, they're spending like a month with Daniel and then Brian is stopping in for a week. Right. And deleting everything that sounds too much like U2 is a quote. <laughs> That's from what Brian he said. Eno. Yeah. My oh, job man. was to come in and erase anything that sounded too much like U2. Amazing. Deleted it. So Joshua Tree, Daniel has to stand in the musician's room with a fucking chalkboard and a lecturer's wand pointing at the different sections of the song when the band is supposed to make their chord changes in order for them to be able to fucking play where the streets have no name. Yeah. 
Brian Eno says he thinks 40% of the time spent making Joshua Tree was spent on that one song. 40%. Of one album. He thought about faking an accident with the tapes to make them start over from scratch. No kidding. Just because they were just pounding away at it, trying to fix it, fix it, fix it, fix yeah. it. So here's the question then. Is Eno, is he a hero or is he a villain for allowing this shit to happen? Well, uh, every, everyone's got to get paid. Because I, everyone I, jerks off Joshua Tree. Joshua Tree is the most like circle jerk U2 record called the music business. I don't hate someone for getting a paycheck. No, I don't hate no, someone. You I don't can't hate, dog on him for that. But I think that it does say a lot about the band. Shouldn't your producer like your music? I would think so. I would hope, you know, if I was working with well, someone. Uh, arguably, the producer should be adding to it, not doing it well, altogether. Yes, that's, you know yes. what I mean? Producers, a good one is there to take what you already have that's good and make it better. I'm honestly confused why you 2 keeps making music and who's buying it it's nobody well, nobody's buying he, it. okay here i have a real big conspiracy they're theory. being forced there's a possibility that the major labels are in such dire straits that certain bands like these rich people who want to pretend like they like music will always buy enough tickets to keep it going so they just keep these guys making music put it out into the world and since you know most sales are digital now mm -hmm. that's got to be so easy to fake Sure. Right? Back in the day, you used well, to just- Well, they could buy themselves. Well, I mean, there's no record yeah, of who's buying exactly. it. Exactly. Back in the day, you could just like lose a box right. off the back of a truck, Bingo. you know, and right. that's, oh, it's selling like crazy. Exactly. You know? Because uh, it was based on shipped. Right. I think that could totally be happening with yeah. this. It's completely possible. I, I actually wouldn't doubt it at all. It would not be shy. If that came out tomorrow in a story, I'd be like, yeah, of course, it's exactly what's happening. I had this conversation earlier and we'll have this conversation in future episodes, but there are so many bands that put out records that were okay, not you two at all in this situation. Something happens in their career, they they reach a certain level, they write a, a hit song or something, and they're forever spending the rest of their careers just chasing that and it never oh, works. Yeah. In this situation, their biggest record, arguably being Joshua Tree, they didn't even do it. So they spend the rest of their career trying to recreate something they didn't even do themselves. Imagine, it's like the worst fucking version of Groundhog Day. Yeah. <laughs> you just keep making the same bullshit. Hey gang, it's Tyler breaking in here. We wanted to commemorate our Beethoven episode with a little something special. So go to shop.yfbspod.com to pre-order our newest t-shirt. It's terrible. I designed it myself. This is definitely a case of a band where if one or two people weren't in this band, it could have gone well. Mm -hmm. Like theoretically, if this is a fucking laboratory, like a science experiment, you could walk away from it going, damn, there was like a 15% chance of right. that going well. Sure. So it was worth doing. Sure. But now we should stop. Sure. And no one ever stops it. Right. Because money Right. Just the success is enabling these fucking assholes yeah. and particularly the edge. I think that right. every time, I think every time someone doesn't take a guitar out of his hands and tell him to never pick one up again is validating yeah. him to himself. Yeah. I, I don't even play guitar and oh, watching, watching it might get loud. For me, a non-guitar player was 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 really triggering. It upset me. It pissed me off because I have so many friends that play guitar and actually, I don't know, play their instrument without any pedals whatsoever. Maybe a distortion pedal or something, but certainly not a, a collection of pedals. Playing a, a chord, a G chord or something, and then pressing 15 pedals and being like, this is how it all comes out. It's not guitar playing. That's like me handing my guitar or guitar to my son who's one. You know, man, jam out some stuff and people just going, oh, God, it's so good. 
He's such a genius guitar player. I'm already angry about what I'm about to say, mm -hmm. so I'm going to try to get the point out before it sounds like I'm unnecessarily angry. I have no problem with effects pedals. I have no problem with a guitar player. You can use 500 fucking effects pedals, and I don't care. If that's your thing, then that's fine. If you are honest with yourself and you're honest with me about what you're doing, I don't care. Here's my fucking problem with the Edge and the use of the guitar effects pedals is that he claims to be a minimalist, okay? And the reason why he makes that claim, as you saw in It Might Get Loud, there is one point where I think he's on his home studio that I think might be on a fucking houseboat or some <laughs> dumb shit like yeah. that. Not a good idea. Yeah, because <sighs> his entire, his entire, it would just go out on the, okay, I, I agree. I don't play guitar, but I agree. If that's if that's your thing, is is using pedals to enhance your guitar playing or something like that. That's that is cool. But if you rely so heavily on the pedals that you know somebody throws their beer on stage and shorts out one of your fifteen hundred pedals, you can't play a show. I, that that's, that's still that's the, that's the divide. That's the divide. No, I, I have no problem with that. If you're like a noise band on stage and someone dumps a bucket of water on a really important sequencer or whatever they've got going on up there, then they can't play the show. That fucking sucks. I would be bummed out because I would have liked to have seen them do their thing. The problem is that the Edge considers himself a minimalist right. because he's in that scene and it might get loud. They're in his home studio and you can hear he's got this sound feeling going or whatever I called it at the beginning. And it's just, you know, Mood. hundreds of guitar notes like sparkling and shimmering and filling up the space and going around the world like a beautiful tornado or whatever the fuck. And he seems to be proud of this. He goes, here's what I'm really playing without all these effects and he shuts everything off and he's just playing two notes on the guitar and i think it might be the same note played an octave apart so it's really just one note and let me tell you i could set up a metronome in a chain right before an alternating pitch shifter and then run it through the rest of those effects and it would do exactly the same thing like right. he he is an unnecessary human being but here's the problem though when he shows you those two notes that he's playing that's why he considers himself a minimalist he would be a minimalist if he didn't have the effects pedals right. and he was only playing those two notes. He's using all the effects to add all the notes back in that he didn't play. So the end result is just the same as if he fucking learned how to play his fucking guitar right. and play that shit. Right, yeah. Dude, that's crazy. Fuck. I'm surprised. <laughs> I'm surprised my television survived yeah. me watching. It you were might so get loud. I've only seen it one time. Right. I can't watch yeah, it. But yeah, yeah. That's oh, especially for you because you you do play guitar. No, okay. So not only that, but yeah, I, I agree. Somebody saying I'm a minimalist. You're playing one, arguably one note through 1,500 different pedals. But what's coming out the other side isn't minimalist at all. It's not. It's it's actually completely crazy and. I even found some quotes from him. Okay, so he says that he doesn't like to play a lot of individual notes because he considers them, quote, expensive, like spends emotional currency to play a lot of notes. So that's why he doesn't play a lot of notes. But then uh, here's another quote. In this same thing, he says that he uses delay and other effects to, quote, fill in notes that aren't there, end quote. I'm sorry, what the fuck? Yeah, because he could just play the notes. He could just do it himself. No, he cannot. Right, yeah, because he can't play. He should. Right. <laughs> Watching the documentary, I remember thinking to myself, there's two dudes on there, you know, Jack, oh my God. Jack White yes. and Jimmy Page yes. that can actually shred. Not even can actually, they matter. Yes. They fucking yes. matter to the instrument. Right, so from my perspective, again, as a non-musician, non I do think that history will, of course, remember Jimmy Page. My God, he was in Led Zeppelin, of course. 
course. And I really think history remember Jack White because he was a great guitar player and he did a lot of interesting things with music, whatever, which we're going to do episodes, I'm sure, on both of these people down the road. So don't think that we're going to give them a hard pass here. No. But I think it's... Uh, Watching them play and then watching the edge play, it makes me think of two adults just sitting there, just rocking out in the guitars, doing their thing, looking over and like this tween, this little teenage boy is over there like, let me show you my guitar and I'm going to push this button and you're going to think it's so cool. I'm only playing two notes. I don't know what you guys are playing, but I can play these notes too on my little pennies and I have a guitar and I'm playing notes. I think Jimmy Page might have been an executive producer on the movie. I'm yeah. not sure about that. but I, So he may have wanted The Edge to be in it. Because it makes him look better. I, someone told me, I have no idea how true this is, but someone told me that they wanted Willie Nelson in the documentary, mm -hmm. which I don't know if anyone listening to this even knows, but Willie Nelson is a fucking phenomenal guitar player. Right, he's a beast. He's an incredible guitar player. I think if the theme, which it ended up being like a great guitar player from the 70s, a great guitar player from the 80s, they thought, and a great guitar player from the 90s, mm -hmm. what the fuck was Prince doing? Like, yeah. can can we call that guy yeah. and see if he wants to play? Yeah. Because he can? Le legitimately, there probably is a massive list of real guitar players, people that can actually play their instrument that could have been mu so much better. And, and honestly, legitimately think that, again, this is just my input on it, but I, I feel like they almost feel bad for The Edge. I think they respect The Edge only because U2 is so big. Not because he's a guitar player. No one looks at The Edge and go, he's a great guitar player outside of U2. If he wasn't in U2, which is a huge, massive band, nobody would look at him and go, man, that guy's really talented. Yeah. I just They just wouldn't. It's not a thing. I don't, I can't imagine. I can find kids on YouTube that are better guitar players oh, than him. Yeah, for sure. That probably should have been on the freaking documentary. There are five-year-olds who play guitar better than him, and I'm not yeah. joking. That's, that's I'm not, not even, exaggerating. Yeah. I'm uh, dead serious. There are yeah. five-year-olds that are better guitar players than him. If I remember it correctly, the movie opens with Jack White building an instrument called a diddly bow, and he just slaps this thing together. He MacGyvers it together, and I don't know, like, they probably did some time cuts, so it probably literally took him five minutes to make this thing, mm -hmm. and then he starts playing slide on it, and he says something like, so who says you need to buy a guitar? That, to me, is everything that I love about the guitar as an instrument. I, when that happened, I was like, holy fuck, this sure. documentary is going to be the best thing I have ever watched about guitar. And it was all downhill from there, buddy. Yeah, because as soon as the edge gets on there, who probably couldn't even play that instrument if he tried. And I do agree with you. I mean, and it could have been projection, but in the scenes where the three of them are all in a room, I felt like you could see if the edge was talking, I felt like you could see on Jack White's face. Yeah, cool. So Jimmy, and yeah, then just no, turn to him. Yes, I'm, I'm going to go back and watch it again because I really, really do feel like that's exactly what was happening. It was like Jack White was like, God damn, Jimmy Page is a fucking beast. Oh, oh yeah, and the edge. Uh, well, Push one of your pedals or something like, oh, your battery's dead. Okay. Anyways, Jimmy. Uh, and then, you know, like Jack's like winking at his producer off screen, like unplug his fucking pedals. You know what I mean? Like, or spill your beer on his pedals so we can spend the rest of the time just shredding with each other. And then they did a thing where one of them would show the other two how some signature riff of theirs was played. And, yes. and again, if I remember correctly, yes, I could, I remember be, I could be wrong about this, but you know, when Jimmy Page, I can't remember what riff he was showing. I'm sure that Jack White was just kneeling at the altar yes. of guitar sure. God. Yeah. And Jimmy Page 
seemed like he made an effort to care about what the edge was doing but and i don't have any fucking clue what the song was called that uh, the edge was playing but it was literally just yeah. two two notes back I, and forth dude, the entire it, time this is what it reminds me of because as a parent it's when your kid does something yeah watch me yeah it's like oh man good job even if your head you're like oh well they're 10 mm-hmm. you know that's but still it's cool they're making an effort i felt like that's what jimmy page was looking at the edge going oh cool dude keep yeah keep practicing you know maybe someday you'll be a guitar player and, and jack white always looks like he wants to kill himself but yeah. he looks so hard like he wants to kill himself yeah just you're right i mean god i can't remember what riff he plays to i mean it's awful it's literally it's literally back and forth between two notes and right. then he goes uh down to the end of the guitar neck and plays the same two fucking notes in yeah. a different place and it's so yeah infuriating yeah yeah, I agree. And then they're all playing together right. at the end. They're playing some song, I don't know, and they each take turns doing a little, like a tiny little solo thing just to flex a little. Right. And literally all the edge does is step on a different effects pedal and keep playing the bar chords that and he was already playing. What's frustrating to me is that the only reason he is there is because U2 is such a massive band. I really think one of the reasons U2's success is so infuriating is that it doesn't seem like any of them are trying Right. It doesn't seem like they're trying at all. And just the last thing that I wanted to say about it might get loud is that scene where he's doing Tai Chi or whatever the fuck and looking at his phone at the same time. Yeah. I think that's how he is with everything that he does. Yeah. I think it's it's all half-assed. Yeah. It's I want to seem like I'm doing this thing, so I will kind of do it a little bit, but also I'm just going to do whatever else I wanted to do right. that's distracting me from being able to fully commit. And I think that's why it's so infuriating when I mega corporation like Apple decides U2 is basically all we think music is. Mm -hmm. They get to be so big of a band that somebody at Apple Music thinks it's a good idea. I got to think that somebody got fired for this. I got to think that actually a bunch of people got fired for this, but they're so big, quote unquote big. Their records have sucked so bad for so long that instead of just releasing the record like they do every other time, they decide that it would be a good idea that if everybody woke up on some Friday morning or Tuesday morning, whatever it was at the time, and all of a sudden they had the new U2 record on their phone. But even before that album, U2 did a special edition iPod. That's right. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, and the red the red one. Oh my God, dude. Which red is a great cause. Cool. It's for, you know, AIDS awareness, HIV awareness. and Yeah, that's funding. fine. That's cool. That but what iPod. the fuck, dude, is such a, I mean, it, it, Apple is such a huge U2 fan. Was it Steve Jobs? The iPod for sure. Yeah, Jobs yeah. was still in charge. I think I think Jobs was not there for the album release. Yeah, I don't thing. think. So. But oh, that's back, a good back, let's back up to that iPod thing. First of all, it is an ugly iPod. It's I, that's, ugly as it's, hell. It's nice that it's for a cause. If it was, I don't remember if it was or not. I don't. I think it predates uh, Red the does charity. It? I I don't know for. I a don't fact. know. We'll have to figure that I'll out. I'll cut this out if I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, I'll leave that in because it would be funny. If I yeah. Know. Um. Okay, so yeah, what everybody wants from their favorite band is a shitty corporate tie-in marketing campaign, and that's what U2 sets up. Mm -hmm. I don't remember the name of the album, but I do remember the name of the song, uh, their single that they released, and it was in the fucking commercial for the iPod. Right. And it's that song, Vertigo. Mm, Do you remember mm -hmm, that one? mm -hmm. Okay, so pause this episode and go listen to the song, Vertigo, if you can stand it. Right. Come back and see us. You will not You'll feel better. You will not believe how terrible this song is. It is 
so dated. It sounds like one of their children had a record by the Vines or, yeah. the, or the Hives or one of those millennial garage rock bands. And it sounds like they're trying to do that. It is so dated. You're right. It's like, it doesn't make any sense for the time it was put out. At the beginning of it, Bono counts in using Spanish for some reason and inappropriately. I think he says unos. For one, I think he says unos, dos, tres, catorce, wow. which is one, two, three, fourteen, kinda. Yeah. I, what, what in the fuck? Oh, completely they, unnecessary regardless. And he keeps, there's a background vocal that Bono overdubbed in where he's saying, hola! Yeah. Just in the background of the song all the time, hola! And to cap it off, the song ends with him repeating the word yeah in rapid succession 16 times. I actually went back and listened to this song yeah. just to make sure. And That's I counted. Incredible. I haven't heard that song in so long, but I remember so vividly when all that stuff was happening. I remember it so well. And I do think this is part of that bigger picture, which I'm really trying to paint, we're trying to paint here, is that U2 without all of these things is a shit band. Without the huge light show, the huge production, they're just phoning it in, they're boring. Without the help of Apple to, I mean, which at the time, iPods were the biggest no. product on earth. This commercial, literally. this commercial was inescapable. Like right. if you were alive when this happened, you know everything we're saying is true right. because you could not fucking get away from this song. Sure. Because Apple was becoming the biggest company on the planet at the time. And how many people bought the U2? Dude, I am remembering now as we're talking, going to buy a new iPod. They were sold out of the one I wanted, but they had the U2 version. Were you just like, no, I'm good. I did, yeah, I didn't get it. I was like, no, I'll wait. I didn't want because I, I I was like no I, it was it was ugly it's really ugly it was it wasn't black and red or something like that or I don't remember the color scheme but I remember thinking no I don't want that ugly iPod because not everybody had we didn't have cell phones with all your music on it like we do now nothing it was so different and then when iPods were pretty new like that the cool thing to do was to get yours laser engraved on the back with something and all their autographs were laser already, yeah. engraved it was already on. done it's yeah. like if you own this I, there's no cool way to have that iPod you can't no. casually own that iPod no, you're right Ugh. yes you're right I mean it does it's, and also didn't it came preloaded with a record or something like that I'm wasn't sure. that the thing I'm sure that it did I'm, I'm positive it did. It had to be. Like, it's upsetting to me even just remembering it. It had to be successful though, because they they did it. Did it again? No, no. I don't. I don't know if it was successful. I think people like me wanted a fucking iPod and they went to the get one and they didn't have any, so they bought the U2 version. I bet that happened a lot. Why would it's they? Christmas. Why it's would Christmas they stick time. With them? Your kid wants an iPod. You go to the store. They're sold out, but they have the U2 version. You buy the fucking U2 version. Yeah, and then your kid that had to have happened a shit ton of times. Then your kid fucking hates you because yeah. no kids like U2. Yeah, either that or all of a sudden now they start liking U2, which you've cursed your child at that point oh, man. to like horrible music. Anyways, yes. Yeah. So you know Apple, that Apple decides that it was, I guess, good enough that they're going to run it back to back. I cannot tell Only you this how- this time, they're going to go deep. Okay, as mad as I was talking about The Edge and it might get loud, yeah. I am fucking thrilled to talk about this abortion of a marketing campaign. Yes. It, this makes me so happy. Yeah. It's got to be the greatest marketing failure in the history of the, music. I 100% believe that they will be writing about that as one of the stupidest, worst, wait, wait. most overtly rebu like rebuked. <laughs> like literally, I cannot think of something that was more rebuked because you couldn't delete the fucking well, thing off your phone, before, before which we is get even into crazier. It, I found some quotes from them talking about how awesome of a strategy they thought it was beforehand. Oh, God. It's beautiful. Okay, so Bono said that 
they're using this strategy because they want to get their album to as many people as possible because, quote, that's what our band is all about. That's what their band is all about, Mark. Get, just getting their Force music. Feeding you. Yeah, getting their music to as many people as possible right. by any means necessary. Yeah. What a they, it's so fucking pretentious. What a that's shit. Really, what, that's really what it is, though. This edge quote is going to make you mad. All right, give it to me. Uh, you're, I think it's going to make you personally mad. Me personally? Mm -hmm. Does it say my name or no, something? No, no. Uh, it, it's something you care about. Yeah. The edge calls the strategy, quote, incredibly subversive. It's really punk rock. It's yeah. really disruptive. What the fuck is punk Are rock about? Yes. <laughs> it doesn't even make sense to me. What a dick thing to say. That's so fucking stupid. Yo, do me a favor real quick if you're listening to this podcast. Which uh, you are. You're obviously listening to this podcast. Do you think they're listening to the podcast right now? They're still listening. <laughs> yeah, I... Yes, they're listening, yeah. We really need you to subscribe. Wherever you're listening, hit the subscribe button. Definitely make sure you're subscribed. We've got merch now. What, shirts and pins and stickers and stuff? Yeah, on the website. Go to our website, yfbspod.com. Just do it. Just do it. That would be a good slogan for Man, something. we should make a shirt. Okay. <laughs> what is punk rock about forcing people to listen? Like, okay, yes, uh, I didn't realize punk, punk, being punk was synonymous with forcing people to fucking listen to your music because you couldn't delete it. That's the thing. I think it would have been a catastrophic failure just to put the fucking thing on people's phones without them asking. It's even worse because they couldn't delete it. They had to release a website that walked you through the process or there was an update they had to push. I don't remember exactly. I just remember everybody being like, what the fuck? I can't even delete a record that I did not buy do not want off my phone. That is not punk, you piece of you dickhead. I knew it was going to make you mad. God damn, that pisses me <laughs> off. That just really upsets me. Okay, that is not fucking punk rock. So I dug up some more information about behind the scenes of how it happened. So you two and people at Apple are buddies. They kind of come up with this idea and Bono says to whoever, he says something like, well, yeah, but I mean, you, you're going to have to pay us for it ahead of time because we're not into that whole giving our music away for free thing, which is, you know, charity. Bono, right. Bono fucking hates charity. <laughs> Apple paid U2 an undisclosed sum that U2 decided would be enough for them to give away 500 million digital copies of the album. I can't imagine that there has ever been an album that has sold 500 million copies. I cannot imagine how much money they would have had to pay for the right to give that many away. And then on top of that, Apple committed themselves to a $100 million marketing campaign to promote the album. So on top of whatever they paid them just to be able to give the album away, an additional value of $100 million in marketing. That is so much fucking money. That is insane. That, is that so does nothing to help Apple whatsoever. There's nothing. They gain nothing. Because well, of how it played out. Yes, I mean, well, not only that, even if it played out perfect where it was like, you woke up in the morning and you got a little message on your phone. Would you like the new the new record for free? Oh, no. Because nobody would have done it. I disagree. If it had played out well, I think that the amount of money that Apple pays artists to do this would have drastically dropped off. And this would be the way that they release music. For Good like God. In, in 100 years, Apple gives you all the money you're ever going to make from your album and then they give it away to everyone for free. They, they wanted to disrupt the industry. That, that was going to be... Oh. I mean, and, and this is... So you wake up tomorrow morning and there's another record that you didn't want on your phone. That's just my... Thank God that, That's just my opinion. No, I, no, you could be right. I don't know. But thank God it failed for multiple reasons. And you know what's crazy? It, there's actually a possibility it wouldn't have failed as bad if it was actually a band 
that was uh, uh, liked at the time. The common response around the world was something akin to, oh my God, people are going to think I like you too. How do I get this off of my phone? Yes, that 100%. Bono now still calls it the proudest moment in the band's history. Yeah, well, that just shows you. Can we fucking talk about Bono? Okay, so Bono. Do you know how he got his fucking nickname? How Bono? No. His name's like David or Paul or Peter or something. I was going to ask that. What is, what's his real name? I don't even know. Oh, his real name is Paul. It is Paul. I, it is I did Paul. write that down. So according to Wikipedia, young Paul, this is the fucking most annoying sentence I've ever had to say. Paul was part of a surrealist street gang in Ireland. I don't know what the fuck that means. Were these guys going around painting I can't even, Salvador Dali I, I can't graffiti even actually respond to that. This is stupid. You'll never believe I, what we did today. Right. We put a hat on a statue. Yeah, it was a purple hat. Okay, so this gang has a ritual of nickname giving, and I don't know if it's possible to say this without butchering it, but Bono's first nickname was... Paul's first nickname. Yeah, Paul. Paul's first nickname was... Steinheg van Heisen Noleg bang bang bang. So that got shortened to Heisman to Houseman, and then it takes a jump that I I don't know why. It goes from Houseman to Bon Murray to Bono Vox, which is Latin for good voice. And he hated the nickname until he found out that it meant that. Mm -hmm. And so he stuck with just Bono from see, that. This would be a moment where I wish we had video, so just it, so people could see my face. Yeah. As you're reading this, yeah. If I didn't care, I would just smash my head on the, against my desk. He's right insufferable. Now. This Absolutely. is so. That is so ridiculous. He, Paul's bandmates all call him yeah. Bono. I have had actually had nicknames in my life before, and never in my life thought to myself to introduce myself or encourage others that I did not know to call me by, by my nickname. I've I've found just a few different so things bad. that I think are really good representations of why he's an annoying person. Mm -hmm. um, so apparently he was going to be the lead guitar player in the band first, and then they got him to go down to being rhythm guitar player and singer, and then just the singer, and then they tried to get him to stop being the singer and become the manager of the band. Hey, dude, you're great. Why don't you just like, you know, put the put the microphone down? I have no problem with him being a Christian, but I do have a problem with the logic for why he says he is a Christian. And this is called something in like theology classes. I don't, I don't remember what it's called, but mm -hmm. his logic for why he's a Christian is either Jesus Christ was a crazy person or he was who he says he yeah, was. Yeah, this is so stupid. I, I believe he is the son of God because if he's not, then he's crazy. Right. Well, let's see, Bono. Uh, <laughs> are there crazy people? Right. Well, now that you mention it, there are crazy people. Right. Have you ever uh, seen someone do anything that Charles would lead you Manson, to believe? Charles Manson said that he was uh, said he was Jesus Christ. So just so he's either he's either Jesus Christ. We could or do Jesus a podcast. He's fucking just crazy. We could do a podcast just about people who have said that they are Jesus. We could literally do an entire podcast. Okay, about that. that is true. I found this Rolling Stone article from 1983. The writer characterizes Bono as someone who, if he gets excited on a topic, just doesn't shut the fuck up, and mm -hmm. no one else can get a word in edgewise and. And apparently this is just like a generally agreed upon characterization of him. And in this article, Bono tells the writer why U2 is a, quote, revolutionary band and more special than other bands. One of his reasons is that the band members don't care about fashion or poofy hairdos. I can find 300 photographs right now to debunk that claim. Yes, the exact opposite of the truth. These guys dress- Literally 100% the opposite of the truth. Oh, their haircuts- Look up YouTube for five seconds. Just Google search the, the an image. Yeah. And tell me they don't care about any of that. 
And he says that o- make any sense. other bands at the time are playing swishy synthesizer stuff. And he thinks that U2 is a rock band because they use real instruments, which is hilarious for reasons Again, we've, already discussed, we've already discussed. But also hilarious because the first fucking thing Brian Eno does when he comes in as a producer is start playing synthesizers on U2 albums. Yeah. And that's when everyone thinks that they got awesome. Yeah. So, so this, this is U2 to me through all this conversation is to me a band where they get up on stage, someone pushes play on their CD and they walk around boringly on stage with a lead singer with a horrible nickname, Paul, who does crazy little things with his arms and goes, ah, whatever he does and has a huge light show. There's nothing really unique or cool or rock and roll or even, there's nothing memorable about that. Would you say that Bono was an expert on anything? No. Okay, me neither. Uh, sorry, Paul. Pompous? Paul is, is not Paul an expert, an expert on, on being. One of my favorite websites is IMDb. Like an actor that you like, you just go there, find other movies. That Until our favorite, your yeah. favorite movie sucks podcast comes out. I would love to do that podcast. Okay, so on Paul's IMDb page, he has 52 credits as an actor. That's someone hires him to pretend that he can act and be a different character in something. He has 216 soundtrack credits, which is like a movie pays money to be able to use a U2 song on the soundtrack or possibly even hires U2, like they did the song on the Batman Forever soundtrack that yep. was the worst song on an otherwise pretty decent soundtrack. Yep. Seal's Kiss from a great, Rose is, great songs is on also there. on that soundtrack. Yeah. Okay, 216 soundtrack credits on IMDb. Guess how many credits Bono has for appearing as himself in documentaries? I don't know. 280. Oh my God. Bono is in more documentaries than U2's music is in movies. And he's not an expert or an authority on fucking anything. So can someone please get this cunt out of my documentaries? I was watching some documentary and then all of a sudden Bono's on the screen talking. Yeah. Why? Why? Yeah, there's no reason whatsoever. And if there's a documentary on politics in Ireland, terrorist bombings in Ireland, that's a huge, huge part of that country's history. It would probably make sense to have Bono That's in a very that. specific thing. Highly specific. Although even then, I think you'd be better off having- Any citizen. L- I was just going to say, literally anyone who just lived through any it- Any fucking citizen. Would be way more interesting. Okay, so Bono. we can't make fun of his glasses. Right, that's fine. His hats. Yeah. We can make fun of the hats. Yeah. He, he wears really fucking stupid hats and he likes them so much. One time he left his hat somewhere and he paid around- $1,500 to have that hat put on the next commercial uh-huh. airplane yeah. to wherever the fuck he was and then like driven to him in a taxi cab. Just a regular ass hat. Instead of just replacing it with five of them for the same I don't price. Know. And so, yeah, okay, okay, homie. If you give a fuck about the climate, that's right. That's what true. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah, that was all. That's what I realized. He was in like the Al Gore, what? had him come speak at some uh, climate change thing. Why like, are you why? paying to have a hat flown? Using jet fuel. Yeah, when you could just buy a new one or wear a different one, which I'm sure you have 3 million of them. He's got to be one of the biggest political hypocrites and political hacks at the same time. He's so fucking hypocritical. He has been really outspoken against, I want to say ExxonMobil specifically Mm -hmm. for profiting from a country where they are not paying corporate taxes, being based in Holland or somewhere. Apparently like Holland has really good tax rates or something for corporations. All right. So he gets mad and he's really outspoken about Exxon making money in, let's say, Africa or wherever the hell and not paying taxes there to put money back into the local economy. U2's music, they have obviously incorporated themselves as any major band would do if they're smart. 
but there is some sort of tax exemption, some sort of loophole in Ireland that for like 20 years means they don't have to pay taxes mm-hmm. on their publishing. I think it's their publishing, something like the song catalogs. Which has got to be millions, oh, just millions monstrous, of dollars. Monstrous. Yes. So huge. A little while before that exemption is about to expire, guess what they do? What? Move their fucking corporation yeah. to Holland yeah. to pay lower tax rates. Right. And there were members of Irish parliament. Some politicians actually spoke out about this because he had been such a vocal critic. Right. Uh, And so then when people are like, bro, what the fuck? His excuse is, well, we're just doing what any business would do. Yeah, dickhead. That's what ExxonMobil was doing. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You weren't being any sort of example. That's for sure. I was not aware of that story. And I feel like that does sum them up pretty well. That's it. In essence, what U2 is. A giant sham It's just of a, a, man. a half-ass, no effort. Ugh. I did want to get these. I found some pretty sick celebrity burns at U2. I, yeah. did, I did want to get these in here. Robert yeah. Smith of The Cure has said that he's never liked U2. Mm-hmm. John Lydon, uh, a.k.a. Johnny Rotten, quote, U2, that's a band that never should have existed. There's no life experience in any of their songs. Yeah, End perfect. Quote. This is one of my favorite quotes of all time now. Yeah. Liam Gallagher of Oasis is always good for a great insult. Mm-hmm. He said he would rather eat his own shit than listen to U2. That's a, that's, I mean, that's a lot. Of, that's a pretty strong. I would listen to U2 over eating I my would, own shit. I would listen to every single. I would listen to U2 every day. We should go get some food. Now, now I'm hungry. Well, one thing we know for sure. If U2 is your favorite band, your favorite band sucks. Your favorite band sucks. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Your Favorite Band Sucks. Please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to share the podcast on social media, that would be awesome. You can go to yfbspod.com and find the blog post for this episode or whatever other one you like the most and share that link. That way people listening on iPhones or Android or whatever they're using can choose the way to listen that works best for them. You should follow us on Twitter. It's YFBSPod. Look us up on Facebook. If you choose your favorite band, go ahead and fuck yourself. Next week, we're doing the Red Hot Chili Peppers. That one's almost not even fair, but it has to be done. 